to St. Luke, the 24th chapter, the 13th verse. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women in our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. What are you discussing with one another while you walk along? I wonder what will change when we are eventually free of the coronavirus. I wonder whether we will really begin to value those who make life possible for us or whether we'll be back to business as usual. Much depends on what we're happy to let go. And if you wonder what that might be for you, it would be worth trying to think about what seems at the moment important for you and then consider what's missing from the list. One thing we can't do is gather together. The simple everyday comforts of conversation, of touch, of seeing someone's face when they speak and their reactions to us. 
as a church, we're making do with a Zoom service of morning prayer, but I miss the physicality of the Eucharist, the movement, the music, the people, their prayers, and the presence of our Lord in the bread and in the wine. I even miss preaching, although you might not miss me preaching. The Eucharist isn't just the priest's offering on behalf of the people, though that is an important part of it. Nor is the sermon a kind of holy hosepipe through which is squirted a set of pious platitudes, although that too has been known from time to time. Our Sunday morning worship is the offering of the whole people of God. When we gather, it is at our altar for our Eucharist, the offering of all the baptised, in which each person has an important part to play. There's a lot of excitable talk in some places about how digital church will need to be one of the ways God's people gathers in the future. For some, this seems to be pretty much all we're discussing with one another as we walk along this odd and difficult path. I'm hoping that this time away from Sunday gatherings for worship will encourage us to think about how and why we value worship. What is it about Sunday worship that has nurtured us for so many years? Why did Christ command that we remember his death and resurrection together and in bread and wine? What is transformative? What's nourishing about it? How can we invite other people into this worship that we now so badly miss? We would do well this season to consider how much our hearts can burn within us when we hear the scriptures, when we encounter the wisdom of our Christian inheritance and the depth of its insights. We would do well to remember that it was in the blessing and receiving of the bread that Cleopas and his friend recognised their encounter with Christ for what it was, that it is the reception of Christ in the bread that gives them the confidence to tell others of their risen Lord. There will be much that changes after coronavirus, some of it for good, some of it for ill. It is my prayer that we will eventually return with a renewed sense of commitment to our common worshipping life, to the rhythms of its wisdom and its capacity to shape us over years into whole and integrated people. We are at a crossroads. What is happening will define much to come in the church and in the world. But remember the bread and the wine and how Christ reveals himself in them. Remember the scriptures and let them sear themselves into your hearts. In that spirit, I offer you a verse from Jeremiah chapter 6 to pray with this week. Stand at the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way lies and walk in it, and find rest for your souls. For our Lord will ask us, just as he asked Cleopas and his friend, what were you discussing while you walked along?